from the Game Nashville Studios, presented by Wholesale Inc. Mount Juliet. It's time to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. Cuts across, he scores! This is the Preds' official podcast with Thomas Willis and Brooks Bratton. Powerful move from back of the net. On Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. It's the Preds' official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game and streaming right now on the Game Nashville app. I'm Thomas Willis, seated next to Brooks Bratton. We're both of NashvillePredators.com. Josh Upton is our producer. There are few things we look forward to more in a week than sitting down in the studio to bring you a fresh episode of the pod, and we think we've got a pretty special one. It's at least unique. I think it may be one of our best yet. It's the highlight of my Friday afternoon from about 3.30 to 4.30. (laughs) That's all you can say. (laughs) Nothing more than that. For for about the hour that it takes to record this show, it is the most exciting hour of that hour. (laughs) It it is a big show. It's a different show, as you stated. We'll call it Ladies Week, shall we? We're just coming off of hosting Hockey in Heels. We hosted Locker Room Tours. Which, by the way, shout out to those of you who stopped to tell us you enjoy listening to the podcast. That was really cool to hear. So many of you attending Hockey and Heels said, hey, love the show. We really appreciate it. And an equal shout out of those of you who do not like the show and chose not to say something to us. We also appreciate (laughs) it. Thanks for that, too. As far as this one, we have special guests. They are the hosts of Off Ice with Ida and Julie, a brand new podcast. So it's going to be at least in this instance, a podcast about another podcast. Sure. Julie Turris, wife of, of course, Pred Centerman Kyle Turris, and Ida Bjornstad, wife or soon-to-be wife, fiancé of defenseman Matthias Eckholm. Off Ice with Ida and Julie, as you said, a brand-new podcast that is available on iTunes, mm-hmm. Spotify, iHeartRadio. We'll hear more from them in the second segment, but a really enlightening interview on kind of what their lives are like as hockey wives. And it was something that they wanted to do, a bunch of stories that they want to tell. Ida herself was a sports broadcaster. She's got that background. And Julie was like, sure, why not? I'll come along for the ride. So some really good stuff for them coming up. Also, continuing with the theme of letting the ladies of hockey have their say, NWHL, that is the National Women's Hockey League Deputy Commissioner Haley Moore. I chatted with her a few days ago. We'll discuss the NWHL All-Star Weekend coming here to Nashville, Tennessee, February 8th through 10th. More on that in the third segment. And then the Predators finally returning home. Goodness, it's been a while after that six-game road trip. They are back. A good game, a bad game. We'll get into that in just a couple of moments here. And, of course, your Twitter questions as well. Yes, first off, shout-out to Nick Pitchnick, who helped us record uh, the episode or or the interview with Ida and Julie we it was our first ever two guest interview yeah in episode 18 of the pod so he helped us do that and we promised him a shout out because of it so thank you for that Nick Nicky P Nicky P as we call him and then as you mentioned going into that NWHL all-star weekend that's going to be both at Fordyce Center and Bridgestone Arena Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool to see let's go into the games I put in our notes that there was a great game there was a bad game and there was an ugly game so the Predators Lost on Sunday afternoon to the Carolina Hurricanes. That did finish their six-game road trip. Then they returned home to blast the defending Stanley Cup champions and sweep that season series with a 7-2 to win on Tuesday night. And then probably the game of the month, at least as far as its significance goes in the standings, 
the Preds lose to the Winnipeg Jets 5-1. to Now, before we get into all of those games, we're probably going to save some of that conversation about the Jets and Preds and what that means going forward, specifically related to the trade deadline for segment three, just because, like I said, it is such a, an important game between those two teams. I bet we run out of time on that conversation. But let's go and get into it. Carolina game, uh, the effort just wasn't there. The energy wasn't there. Uh, and it was definitely one of those ones that you wanted to kind of flush it and get rid of it pretty quickly. Yeah, it, it was one of those, as you said. It's Unfortunately, it seems like as of late when you go into Carolina, there's it's becoming just something about that building, something about going there. I don't know what it is, but the Predators seem to have trouble with the Hurricanes, and they say it all the time. Coach Laviolette said it the day before, if you're not prepared to play, you're not going to have a good time, and that's exactly what happened to the Predators. A loss there in Carolina. Philip Forsberg did score two goals, including a beauty between the legs. We've seen him do it before. That was the highlight out of that one. But then they finally get home and do nothing but crush the defending Stanley Cup champions by a 7-2 final, the Washington Capitals and the Preds on Tuesday night. Victor Arvidsson, his second career hat trick, not only a great night for Arvey, mm-hmm. chance of his name reigning out through Bridgestone Arena, but the Predators setting a franchise record with their fifth hat trick of the season already. We're only in January. Yeah, 48 they've games. Ne- have never had five hat tricks by five separate players as well, mm-hmm. for good measure, in a single season. So that was fantastic. And then you gave this one to Rocco Grimaldi for free, the Spinner Rocco. Yeah, I, I told him that after the game on Wednesday. He he was like, that's that's what you got? That's what you're going with? And I, like, I was expecting him to be a little bit more impressed than he was. I mean, Spinorama, Spinorocco, but you know, I told him that one was for free. The next one that I come up with, and we'll have to work out some sort of deal. I can't just be giving away these great ideas for nothing. I'll, I'll give you one more on Victor Robertson. He has 10 goals in 10 games going back to New Year's Eve. He's actually leading the NHL over that span in goals per game. Um, so we talked last episode about getting that Joe Feline back together and what all that's entailed. Victor Arvidsson just continues to be the conductor, the leader of the train that is that first line and, and just how much offense it gives to the team. Now, I'll go ahead and sidebar since it's so timely. Joe is not going to be together for the next two games. We did find out actually just before we recorded this show. About as close to breaking news as you yeah. can get on a pre-recorded podcast. Exactly. Uh, Ryan Johansson will be suspended for the next two games for high-sticking Mark Shifley. Uh, you can watch the video on NHL.com, but essentially they said, we recognize it probably wasn't intentional, but the letter of the law with high-sticking, and we all know this, is you have to be responsible for your stick. You, you can't have it up in that kind of area and then make contact with someone. He was given a minor penalty in the game. Now he'll be suspended for two games. So we'll see who shifts up to the first line. That honestly is very interesting. We'll see, like, Cali Yarncroft go all the way up there, or Colton Sissons, Nick Benina, how they fill in um, at least over the next two games without Ryan Johansson. So uh, unfortunate to see that just as Victor Arvidsson and Philip Forsberg are really starting to ignite that first line that they're going to have to spend some time apart. Um, let's go ahead and go into that last game for the Preds, a 5-1 to one loss to the Winnipeg Jets. There's a lot to cover here, and I think the reason there's a lot to cover here is because Predators are currently 10 points clear of third place. The Jets are 14 points clear. It's gone back and forth recently between the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars in third. Incidentally, the Preds are about to face those teams several times. They're about to play uh, in Denver uh, in their next road trip. And then I've never seen this before, and I'll continue to say it. The Dallas Stars are going to make two visits in one homestand. The Preds are going to have a three-game homestand. They're going to play the Stars in game one and in game three. I've never seen that before. So anyways, they... If those are potential playoff first-round previews, 
they could see each other uh, soon. But the reason I say that is because it appears it's going to be Jets and Preds for first place in the Central Division. Again, anything is possible. And not only that, it also then appears that if they are both to advance, they're going to be playing each other in the second round. So you not only have that history from last season, but you have the importance going forward, and it just puts all this emphasis on every single time that they play each other. There's never any guarantee that they're going to meet, but as you said, you almost have to prepare as if you're going to have to get through them. And I think the Jets are probably thinking the exact same thing. If we're going to advance further in the playoffs this year, like they did last year, you're probably going to have to go through Nashville. Now, when we had Kevin Weeks on last week, he said, sure, Preds and Jets, is it a possibility? Absolutely. But there's so many other teams to look out for, too. Mm -hmm. So all of this discussion could be all for naught. Yeah. (laughs) But it is still very worthwhile, as you said. The two teams jockeying for position at the top of the Central Division. And it wasn't a good outing from the Predators. I mean, plain and simple, Coach Laviolette said it. Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis said it. They said the Jets were just simply better than them. They capitalized on their chances. Connor Hellebuck made 37 saves. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. the Predators didn't have opportunities. But Winnipeg capitalized when they had the chances. Nashville didn't. David Poyle, Predators general manager, of course, saying you don't want to make excuses, but they were better than us in almost every area of the game. But something that's very important to remember, it's one of 82 games. And Ryan Ellis made a good point after the game, too. When the Predators beat the Jets, shut them out 3 nothing in October, mm-hmm. do you say, oh, well, the Jets aren't any good anymore and the Preds are the best team in the league? No, it's one game. The Jets come in this time and beat the Preds 5-1. to one. Do you say, oh, well, the Predators will never beat the Jets ever again? No, that's not, that's not how it works. It's one game. I get that there was a lot riding on that game, and the Predators would have preferred to have a much better showing than they did, but it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And, we'll and, s- and then having said that, yeah. it is still a big deal. It's, right. it's so, you go back and forth on a game like that so much, it's like, yeah, you would have loved to have won, but it's not that big of a deal. But it is a big deal. <laughs> well, and I, I think you hear it. Even when the Preds, if they had won that game, you probably would have heard them say, it's just one game, we don't want to make it too significant or act like it's that big of a deal, but you're more likely to hear it when you're the losing team because that's just how you have to approach it. We make this point before on the show, but you're basically playing every other day in the NHL. So, yes, it is unfortunate, and and the Predators will regret losing that game and especially the way that they did with the Jets looking so good in Bridgestone Arena, but they have to move on to the Florida Panthers. They have to move on to the Colorado Avalanche. Like Those, those games are coming up very quickly on the schedule. Um, I think one interesting comment to make, Brian Little, RobbieStanleyEventual.com tweeted this. He said, we're kind of prepared for what's to come now because he feels like they, meaning the Jets, have played so much in Nashville, they're prepared for it. But I'll give you the counter to that. The Preds have looked excellent up in Winnipeg over mm-hmm. the last few seasons, especially in the playoffs. So these two teams will meet twice more both of them in Winnipeg in March. Hopefully so, it won't be zero degrees, maybe like 10 or 20 yeah, by then. Maybe like five degrees. It will still be in the single digits, I'm sure. Um, but those games are just going to be as important all over again because they are the four-point game, as you hear an analyst say, just because you automatically know a team in theory is not only not gaining, you could them in gaining points. So we'll see if they go to overtime. Uh, we have not seen necessarily – the offensive explosion from both sides that we got a lot last year when we were getting six to five games, five mm-hmm. to four games. So I think it's unfortunate. I'll make one point. Again, we're going to save a lot of this conversation for segment three. But in the first period, I remember in particular a shift by the first line of the Predators where Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, Ryan Johansson cycled so much, used the def- their defensemen so often, 
and they had so many chances that you could see they were physically exhausted. They were like, we need to get off the ice, and yet we're still in the offensive zone. We still have possession. We need to crack through for a goal here. I think that's why hockey's a finicky sport sometimes. I think if that puck goes in, and because at that point the game was 0-0, zero to zero, and the Preds take a one to nothing lead, you just don't know how the rest of the game goes. You ride that momentum, and it just changes everything. And then it was shortly thereafter that the Jets, instead, of course, are the ones that take the lead. So that reminded me, and I hate to say it, if you have PTSD, cover your ears here, it reminded me in some ways of Game 7 uh, mm-hmm. in the way that the Predators lost it. The, the score was the same as well, ultimately, but it was the Preds had the chances early on, and you just hate to see that first goal go in by the Jets. It wasn't the best play on the kind of wraparound, and it goes in. And then the Preds have a bit of life when it gets cut down to 2-1. to one. And yet, credit to the Jets. That goal, especially in that capacity, to score to make it 3-1 to one in the final minute of the second period, you you knew the, the hill that the Preds were going to have to climb up in the third period was, was going to be very difficult. And then, obviously, it did prove to be insurmountable because the Jets take a win. So... We'll save what that means going forward for the trade deadline because we think these teams are probably playing each other again in the playoffs, and they're probably going to have the other team at least in their in their mind when they're making moves over the next few months to think, hey, how do I match up against the Jets or how do I match up against the Preds because I'm probably going to see them again in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We saw it last season, and it was one of the best playoff series the Preds have ever been involved in. Do we see it again? But before we get to that, we talked about it earlier in this segment, it's time to interview two very special guests with Matias Ekholm's fiance Edith Bornstad and Kyle Turris' wife Julie to talk about their new show, Off Ice, with Ida and Julie. This, of course, is the Preds' official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to the Predators' official podcast here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Brooks Bratton and Thomas Willis alongside two very special guests now here in our second segment. Ida Bjornstad and Julie Turris, the fiancé of Matthias Ekholm, the wife of Kyle Turris. Not only do they hold those titles, they're also now podcasters just like us. Coming after our jobs. <laughs> they, have, they have started Off Ice with Ida and Julie. First off, welcome to the Predators official podcast. Congratulations on your podcast. Tell Thank us a little bit about it. it. Thank you so much. First of all, I just must say that I wish that I have uh, had your accent because it, look, it sounds so good when you're talking. And I feel that the language kind of thing is like the biggest challenge for me by doing this podcast. But uh, it's, it's you great. Your last yeah. Name, so. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, thank you for having me. For sure. Well, so, Ida, I spoke to you a couple of days ago on the phone as well. You said that you and Julie, this is really something that you've been interested in doing. And now that it's come to life, first of all, tell us a little bit about the podcast and what fans can expect from it. We wanted to tell something. We feel that there are so many stories that need to be told in this world of ice hockey. So we decided that we want to start up this podcast by telling stories from women, from people who is working around the organization and do that in a very unique way. And somehow I also believe that I've been working as a sports broadcaster for almost 10 years or more than 10 years in Sweden. And it doesn't matter even how good you are at covering sports. It's so hard to get into the real like world of ice hockey, to get the real stories and hear the real uh, yeah, stories behind all these uh, players and stuff. So that's why we wanted to do this. 
And Julie, you were saying that you don't have much experience in the media world. Ida None. does. But so yeah. how's been this uh, exploration of that and having Kristen Laviolette, Peter Laviolette's wife, on the first episode? Yeah, I would say when Ida first approached me, I was like, I need to sleep on this for a few nights because this is so out of my comfort zone. I'm a pretty private person and I don't like, I've never done anything like this before. But Ida like has such a good, um, her mind frame with it and what she wants to get out of it. I, I totally stand behind and I think that she was saying like women not only in our organization but in the league have really cool stories and really close cool perspectives that people would like to hear so it's been really fun and it's been a lot easier than I thought and I think having a guest like Kristen LaViolette makes it really easy because she's so like the, she's so easy to talk to she's so fun she's so honest and um, she has been around for over 20 years so it's yeah. just like her stories and her um her opinion on things and what she, how she's seen the league change, especially in the perspective of a woman, is really interesting. So it, I thought it would be really nerve-wracking, and, and, but then it's just like having a conversation. And she's one of the, one of the best people to have on as your first show because it was a, a great way to kind of dip your toe in the water and get started. So We've had both of your significant others on this show before, a few episodes ago. And we asked Matthias Ida about how he met you and how you came to date. And he said, and I'm not trying to get him in trouble, but he said it wasn't love at first sight, and it took a, a little while before you guys decided to start dating. So I want to hear your side of the story, that's, though. That's so true. That's so true. It was funny because the first time I met him was actually when I was covering the World Championship in Czech Republic, I think. Uh, and I remember it so much because when, I, when I talked to him, I thought he was, I was like, this guy is quite boring. <laughs> but eventually, because I'm... Boring is good. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. No, but I'm, I'm running one of the like, biggest charity projects in Sweden. So I was doing this at the same time. And uh, I needed some stuff from like hockey players so I can auction that off for a good cause. And uh, that's why, cause, because of that, I kept keep in contact with Matthias somehow and eventually it just started to be quite fun to talk to him and we ended up as a couple eventually but in the beginning no it was no <laughs> love for the first time no <laughs> well and so Julie now Thomas correct me if I'm wrong I don't think we asked Kyle yeah, this origin I don't think we actually did ask wow. Kyle so. so we have no background <laughs> you, you get to tell the story any way you want on this one well, no one's getting in trouble no exactly now I didn't be like fabricated a bit no <laughs> it was so long ago he was only 18 and I was 20 and we actually met at a college bar at Madison, Wisconsin, where we both went to school. And um, that night was a bit blurry, but then he was in my <laughs> class, and uh, he was in one of my criminal justice classes. And he's like, oh, like, you're in my class. And I remember he, he's, so, like, he's so polite and so nice and so soft-spoken, and he would save me a spot every day, and all he did was talk about, like, Canada. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I've never been. And then, like, he was just like, I love Canada. And, like, we would play tic-tac-toe and cute stuff like that. But he was, like, such a gentleman and really nice. And then... We've been together ever since, so. Nice. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. Well, and we've talked a little bit about the family dynamics as well. And Ida, you and Matthias have just had a young son. And Julie, you have three children. Yeah. So what, how does kind of the family dynamic play into the hockey dynamic? And, and how do those two kind of intertwine with each other? I think because it's all we know. Like, we just, it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's all I know. Like, I don't know a family life where with a husband who doesn't play hockey like that's all we we so we just kind of get I think the biggest thing is that we have to have routine so we have like a very like 
our life, I think, is a little bit more scheduled than uh, most people's, like especially sleep. Like sleep is so important, nap time so important, getting the kids to bed early is important. It's just like we have to be that way because Kyle depends on it so much and our house kind of has to run this on his schedule. Um, and they're away a lot, obviously, but I have a really, really strong support system and I'm really blessed in that sense and I have my mom can come in anytime and because she's retired and we have a nanny that's wonderful so I think you just really have to kind of lean on people around you and ask for help because you're kind of just by yourself a lot and you have to be okay with being like hey I need help can you come help me with the kids or um and just being okay with that and then the time that you do have when he is home is just so sacred and so important and we we try to get the most out of that too because it's it's and also because we were talking about in our podcast recently that Yeah, I think it's so important that you that you realize that when you're having a relationship with a hockey player for a couple of years, you have to you have to be in this role, another role maybe that you want to have in a family that you you can't really work. You have to take care of things at home because otherwise everything is just going to fall apart. So I think that is very important. Like right now, this is my. Um, what do you say? Like your job. Yeah, Role like my your... job. What I have to do with this family to make it work, and that's what it's. Yeah. So, and also, as you say, that we can ask people around us from for help because you are obviously alone very much with the baby. We're joined by the host of the new podcast, Off Ice, with Ida and Julie. We're talking about the show and what it entails, because you may know them a little bit better as the significant others of Matthias Eckholm and Kyle Turris. I, w- I want you both to touch on this. I think maybe our listeners might think, oh, it's so cool and so easy to see their significant others gets to play hockey and they get to be a fan, and that must be cool. But there's a lot of pressure involved in being a professional athlete. And I can only imagine there's trades that are happening. There's the situation of maybe you're – husband or significant other has a bad game and you have to be able to support them in that how how do you approach something that's tough like that i must say that i am so impressed by a a hockey player and what they are going through because they are traveling all over america with the time difference and everything and they have so many games during the season and they want to be their very very best every game and they can't and also they have a family they want to be a good father at home because they are they like to be good obviously, and everything what they're doing. So it's, uh, yeah, that is a challenge for sure. And I think they are doing such a good job by handling all this pressure when it comes to to, being a hockey player because it's it's tough. It is. Yeah, and I think that it is a lot of unknown, like you were saying, with trades and with the schedule and everything. Like you kind of, um, we were talking about it recently too, like you you can't live your life being like, well, maybe I'm going to trade. I'm not going to get too comfortable. I'm not like you have to make your home a home. You have to be comfortable where you are. You have to just get the most out of every city that you're in because you don't know when it's going to come up. But like Ida was saying too, I have so much respect and admiration for Kyle for what he goes through. It's so mentally and physically exhausting. And as much as hard as it all is, and how there is so much unknown with it, there's so much to be grateful for because they're like literally doing what they've always wanted to do. Like they're 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 living their dream, and there's so much to be like thankful for in that. And, um, yeah, but it, it is, it's, it's a lot of, like, and especially with trades, you just, it happens, you got to pick up, and then you're like, where am I going? Like, I remember when we got <laughs> traded to Ottawa, I was like, I had to look it up on a map, and I was like, <laughs> and all my friends were like, he's from Vancouver, they're like, well, at least you're closer to his family now. I'm like, oh, no, like, we are on opposite ends of the coast. <laughs> Maybe now, like, further away, be, even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we could not be further apart, so. But it's, it's also fun, too. It's a part of the journey. Like, you kind of just travel around with them and mm. get to know all these great cities and meet a lot of people, so. Yeah. 
And it's funny because we are, me and Matthias, we're running a hockey camp in Sweden every summer. And we used to have this Q&A with parents who are coming to the, to the camp. And the m- most common question that we get is, uh, so how are my son going to make it the whole way to the NHL or to mm-hmm. be in... Uh, a big athlete and Matthias he usually say that well first of all he needs to have fun that's the most important mm-hmm. thing and the other thing is that it's up here what you have like when it comes to the ment- mental mental thing yeah because yeah. uh, you have to be so strong you have to know how to handle the pressure how to handle all these travelings that you're doing and things like that so even if you're good at ice hockey you need to add something else something more and not everyone has that well as we've said there are certainly lots of pressures there's also certainly a lot of cool things that get to come it along is. with this life what is, what is the best part about getting to see your husband your fiance Such play hockey question. for you I love sports yeah when we won the world championships in ice hockey this this spring uh, Matthias came back I was actually breastfeeding our son William in a hotel room and he came in with a gold medal and he <laughs> looked at me and he was like Ida, we did it Yeah, and I start awesome. crying because it's so cool and that's what all sport is all, is all about winning and losing mm-hmm. and I like it both because we know what it feels like coming home after you've been losing a Stanley Cup final it's tough, it's so tough but when you win it's so amazing. So that's, I mean, it's everything. I love it. I love sports. I love winning and losing. It's great. <laughs> I just think seeing now that we have kids watching them come yeah. like in see Kyle play, especially here, it's cool because they can high-five him before he goes out. And that whole interaction or seeing him during warm-ups is like, it's just, it pumps Kyle's tires and oh, yeah. it makes him have like just a huge smile on his face and the kids. And I think that interaction and now that Beckett, he's four and a half, he like gets it. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to see him like, Enjoy yeah, it I'm too. looking forward to death day yeah, when William yeah. gets special. Yeah. You understand what his dad is yeah. doing. All right, let's end on this note. I want to know how you guys watch a game. Are you? Do you have superstitions, rituals? Are, are you into a game? Like how emotional do you get? It's like we're a different person in this <laughs> case. Well, I'm actually I'm into the games. Okay. We talk about the games when Matthias gets home, and I can sometimes I'm texting him during the game because there's something that he does that is good or bad. Or <laughs> uh, we have yeah, we talk about it. We are okay. very like uh, interactive when it comes to that. But um, yeah, but I know that you are not. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be, and okay. then now it's kind of on in the background as I'm doing something. And then when I get the kids to bed, I get to, like, the end of it. Um, and then Kyle and I don't really – so I watch it, and I support him, and I love coming to games as, like, a social interaction. And I might make it up to my seats at some point <laughs> and watch some game. And, and I, I do really enjoy it. It is really fun. And Kyle and I, like, when he comes home, we'll maybe chat about it. Like, it's, like, more of, like, how do you – like, how is your game? How do you feel? And then it's, like – and then I'm off being, like, the kids did this, this happened. <laughs> and it's, like, on to the next thing. So, yeah. Well, you mentioned the winning and losing. We hope there's a lot more winning to come. We're, we're so glad that you two are in this city with your husbands playing at the level that they do. Tell our listeners real quick again, it's Off Ice with Eden and Julie. Yes. How can they listen to the podcast? iTunes. Yes, yeah, Spotify, iHeart app. And yeah. Yeah. 
Just a, just about everywhere you can find our Yeah, where we are. <laughs> we don't have any special hidden we places. Are the same place. <laughs> well, congratulations on the podcast. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Thank for you for doing having this. Thank you. Yes, thank you guys. The POP continues in just a moment as we invite another special guest on the pod. NWHL Deputy Commissioner Haley Moore is next. Plus, Preds General Manager David Poyle delivered some thoughts on how he's approaching the 2019 NHL trade deadline. That's all next right here on the Preds official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. One day we're going to do this podcast on video and you can see us dancing. Thomas has the moves. They might be the same for every song that we intro. but For, For my Parks and Rec watchers out there picture ron swanson after he's had all the snake juice just that gif that you see i I try to imitate that to some extent for just about all songs he won't be caught dead doing it at a wedding but i'm lucky enough to witness it well there you go (laughs) welcome back to the predators official podcast here on espn 1025 the game streaming on the game nashville app and wherever else you may have us right now the car the gym anywhere everywhere works (laughs) brooks bratton alongside thomas willis here we mentioned in that first segment, mm-hmm. of course, the big Preds-Jets matchup and how David Poyle put a lot of stock into that game as far as seeing where his team is from an evaluation standpoint just over a month away from the 2019 NHL trade deadline. As we said in that first segment, it is a big deal, but it's not that big of a deal, but it kind of is, still is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Here's what David Poyle had to say right here on ESPN 102.5 The Game prior to the Jets game on Thursday and what he was looking for. No, I want to see how we do tonight against uh, Winnipeg. I want to see after the game if we're feeling good about our team or we're feeling that we have some some weakness. And then the second part is I'd really like to get healthy. And I think after the break, uh, you know, we should be getting really close to the guys that are out now are Salamaki and and Turris. And I'm really hoping they'll be back uh, after the break or shortly thereafter. So there's a point right there from David, too. Kyle mm-hmm. Turris, Mika Salamaki, both on injured reserve right now, expected back after the All-Star break, after the bye week. So that's at least February 1st, mm-hmm. as far as those gentlemen coming back into the lineup. And then maybe who else could we see being added to the Predators lineup as Poyle looks for an evaluation? So you don't get the result that you want in that Winnipeg game. How much stock do you take in that, knowing that there's a decent chance you're probably going to have to go through Winnipeg in the playoffs? Or how much do you allow yourself to say, yes, this is one game, and look at the broader picture as to what your specific needs might be on your team? And what's tough about it is I think you almost want, if you're David Poyle, a few more pieces of data, right? Like you want to see the Preds against the Jets a few more times because, as we just said, it is just one game in 82. And, yes, it played out quite unfortunately from Nashville's perspective, but even though the score was 5-1, to one, it wasn't like a blowout per se. I I don't know what I'm trying to communicate there per se, but I, I think, and, and in those comments, David Poyle went on to say that he does like to give his team an added boost, yes. another player, another piece. That's kind of his MO. He's done that over the years. So I think he leans toward adding something. That being said, because here's the name you've been waiting for us to say this whole time. It's Wayne Simmons from from the Philadelphia Flyers. And I think some fans have probably convinced themselves, oh, if he plays in Thursday night's game against the Jets, the Preds win that game. And I don't think that's the case. I think there were a lot of areas, other areas in the Preds game that needed to improve for them to be able to beat the Jets in a seven-game series. I'm not sitting here saying, yeah, if they they give up first-round pick and prospect and whomever else and get Wayne Simmons, that that would have pushed him over the top. So I think there are other things to work on, specifically the power play especially. I think you definitely need to see 
some improvement there. I think you've seen the Preds go a bit stagnant again. They're not getting the movement on the power play that they need to. You need to be fixing other areas in your game. And then finally, yes, the pieces do matter because you also have to play defense in some capacity. David Poole doesn't want to see Wayne Simmons go to the Winnipeg Jets either. I mean, Paul Stastny was the big move that the Jets did last year, and he was very key in the Jets' win over the Preds in seven games. So you also have that in the back of your mind. So I'm not basing all of this on just that one game, but that being said, maybe you do need that one additional piece, hopefully, in your top six. I think Michael Furlan's another name from the Carolina mm-hmm. Hurricanes that kind of slides in under the radar that might be a little bit cheaper than Wayne Simmons, as you said, and as David said on the program, he likes to try to do something at the deadline or around the deadline to try to improve his team going into the playoffs. And again, I don't think we can harp on it enough. Even though his comment said, I want to see what we look like against Winnipeg, that does not mean that if you lose against the (laughs) Winnipeg Jets, it's time to blow it up, right? He's not basing everything on that one game. You use it as a measuring stick, but the Predators are going to play the Florida Panthers, the Colorado Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights, plenty more teams before the February 25th trade deadline. There's plenty more time to evaluate what you have and what you don't have. And you touched on this as well. Even if these two teams do meet in the second round, they're almost certainly each playing another team in the first round, right? So you can't just blow up the Preds roster and be like, yes, this will help us beat the Jets because you're probably playing the Avalanche, the Stars, or somebody else in the first round. And there's never any guarantee that either of these teams are getting out of the first round either. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see how that goes going forward. I think I'm kind of on the fence a bit of I'm not ready to base it all on one game because we've seen the Predators be arguably the best team in the NHL over the last two years in the regular season, even the first part of this year. I'd lean a little more toward that than I would just a 5-1 to loss to the Jets. It'll be a fun few weeks to see how things play out in that regard. In that second segment, we talked to Ida and Julie, our third lady of the podcast here this week. NWHL Commissioner, Deputy Commissioner, rather, Haley Moore, was nice enough to join me via phone a couple of days ago. The NWHL All-Star Weekend coming here to Nashville, Tennessee, February 9th and 10th. More information in this interview coming up, but the All-Star Game is at Bridgestone Arena February 10th following the Preds and Blues game. So stay tuned for that if you are going to that game. And via Ticketmaster, tickets available for just $20 to that All-Star Game. So really check that out. There's a lot of cool things coming up. So without further ado, here is NWHL Deputy Commissioner Haley Moore with more on the upcoming All-Star Weekend. We've had a lot of success in the past um, diving into new markets, especially for our All-Star Weekend, um, heading out to Pittsburgh a couple of years back, uh, Minnesota last year before we expanded in that direction. And uh, I think Nashville is just uh, an incredible community as a whole. And, uh, and the way that they've embraced the, the hockey community uh, is something that we certainly want to be a part of. And we want to share the love and the the brightness of our league and, and the great city. And I think that just from the moment we made the announcement and the excitement around the event, uh, it's already been proof in the pudding that, um, you know, we are going to be fully embraced by Nashville and uh, the entire community. So we're, we're super excited to bring our game to the city. So for fans who may remember the 2016 NHL All-Star Game here in Music City, of course, the skills competition happens on Saturday. The game happens on Sunday. It's a similar format for you this time around here? Absolutely. We'll be at Ford Ice on Saturday at 5 p.m. for the skills competition, and that's always exciting, a little bit of fun, and our players certainly bring their A game for that. 
and um, we'll have our, our double header with the Predators on Sunday. So looking forward to packing a building there and uh, really making uh, some big splashes in a new city and share our love in the new community. Well, not only just to see the events in general, but there are some big names coming here as well, correct? We have uh, a great set of rosters coming your way for sure. Uh, Ten Olympians and some some unbelievable talent. Um, And not to mention the the game will be played four on four with a lot of open space out there. Uh, I love All-Star Weekend. The the games are so much fun. They're so exciting for the fans. And uh, with that level of talent on the ice and a little bit of extra space, you'll definitely see some great plays and a great product on the ice. Some gentlemen that predators fans may be familiar with chris mason and hal gill they will be the honorary coaches for the event as well how how excited are you to have hal and mace behind the benches there as well oh we're thrilled and the way that they've just embraced uh our game and uh, our teams coming into the weekend i think they're going to have so much fun and our players are going to have a blast with them on the benches behind but uh, i certainly expect there to be a um, little bit of fun and bickering on the benches and the, everyone will get into character there and they'll have a blast. Uh, but the way that they have embraced uh, us coming to the city has just been incredible. We're so grateful to have them on board and uh, really happy to have their support. You mentioned it earlier as well, but getting into new markets, it's obviously key for growing the game and you're doing some different things in the community as well. A skills clinic uh, at Ford Ice on Saturday before the skill, or the skills competition itself. That's right. Yeah, one, one of the biggest reasons why we exist is obviously to create a better future for uh, women's hockey and for those young girls to have somebody to look up to and to aspire to be like. So uh, anytime we're able to travel to a new market, uh, that's a huge goal of ours is to just kind of spread our wings and, and get a more of a reach. So uh, Saturday afternoon with that skills clinic is, is going to be a huge opportunity for us to do that and it's something that our players are so passionate about and they really dive in um, it, it's going to be awesome and just to see those young girls uh, looking up to our players is it's always a special moment for us and lastly we know how passionate the fans are here in Nashville they love their Preds why should they get behind the National Women's Hockey League All-Star Game this upcoming weekend in a couple of weeks? And, and what is most important about them showing support here in Nashville, do you think? Well, we don't doubt that they're going to show a lot of support. Uh, just knowing the fans in Nashville and how they've embraced the hockey community in general, uh, we, we do expect big things from them, and we're really hoping to shatter the record for the biggest crowd Uh, in a women's pro hockey game in the U.S. So uh, hoping that those fans will step up to that challenge for us. Uh, But I guarantee if they show up, they will not be disappointed. There will be so much excitement. They'll, you know, they'll see Shannon Zabados. They'll see Amanda Kessel, uh, some incredible players in action and just an incredibly thrilling hockey game with an awesome on-ice product. They will not be disappointed if they show up. It is sure to be a fantastic weekend coming up February 9th and 10th. We'll have more information on NashvillePredators.com in the coming weeks as well. But Haley, thanks so much for doing this, and we look forward to seeing you here in Nashville soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. We're excited to get there. Thanks again to Haley Moore from the NWHL for sharing her thoughts. That event is coming up in February in Nashville. As far as a few other things that are a little bit sooner on the calendar, NashvilleLockerroom.com, which has a slew of Preds merchandise, is still in the midst of their month of awesome. Follow them on Twitter, at NSH Locker Room. They are giving away crazy things, you guys, every single day. 
Preds autograph stick, tickets to shows, tickets to Preds games. Follow them. You will not be disappointed. And check out all the gear that they have on their website. And then the Preds also announced earlier this week they'll be hosting their first video game tournament. Go to nationalpredators.com slash NHL19. That's how you can enter, and then there's all the rules there. But they're going to be having fans play against each other to then ultimately compete for $5,000 to the charity of your choice. And then finally, one other event this next week on Thursday when the Preds take on the Vegas Golden Knights, there will be an official watch party presented by Fifth Third at Top Golf in Nashville. So that's January the 23rd. You can check out that game with your fellow Preds fans. Those are always a great time. We've got one more segment to go here on the POP and on ESPN 102.5 The Game. So we'll wrap up with your Twitter questions just after the break. Segment four of the Preds official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. For more, go to NashvillePredators.com slash podcast. You can listen to past episodes and subscribe and rate us, which we love people that do that. We also love people that are winners, Brooks, especially when we make them winners. It's the traditional part of the show where we give something away. This is at least monetarily or financially our biggest giveaway ever. It's the most lucrative prize in Preds official podcast history. Those are about the three financial words I know (laughs) besides fiduciary. Finance. But you don't hear that one every day. How about this? Two tickets, a $400 value, two tickets to Nash Vegas coming up on March 7th. What is Nash Vegas, you ask? (laughs) It's a fun-filled night at Bridgestone Arena. It's a casino-style setup. Preds players will be there. Preds broadcasters. Food. Sign me up. Drink will be there. You can come up and say hi. Thanks for the tickets. You sure can. Here's how you get them. We did not have the time in this show, which is our, our new theme, our new thing. We just run out of time. There's no for, time. There's no time. In a future episode, we'll talk about it. But Kara Hammer on Twitter put out, who is the Preds' biggest rival right now? And we kind of wanted to continue the, that discussion. And what that means to you. Is it someone you love to beat or you love to hate? All you have to do, tweet at us using hashtag Preds Podcast. Just tell us the answer and, and why. For example... I hate the Ducks because Nick Ritchie has the most punchable face in the league. Like, that's a reason. And you could be selected to win these tickets to Nash Vegas. That's all you got to do. A couple of items real quick before we get to some Twitter questions. You may have seen Yusei Saros wearing his new golden pads. He's breaking them in. I've got a couple pictures on Twitter as well as Preds NHL. We haven't talked to him yet about them, so we'll get an answer for you soon as to why he's chosen them. But a really cool look for Juice. Always into something new and flashy. He's certainly doing it. The NHL and NHLPA announcing there will be no World Cup Cup of Hockey in 2020. There's simply not enough time to plan it, both sides say. They do continue to meet, however, as far as collective bargaining agreement discussions are concerned. We'll touch way more on that in future episodes, but no World Cup in 2020. And then an update on NashvillePredators.com. <laughs> on the new Preds Ice Center in Bellevue coming up. New renderings. Go check them out, NashvillePredators.com. Brand new story there about yours truly, as well as some really cool renderings. Two new sheets of ice coming in September of 2019, six months away. The way that you get into the show and ask some of these Twitter questions is by using hashtag Preds Podcast. We had to we had to be pretty harsh this time. We had about 10 to 15 questions. We cut it down to just three. Again, time constraints, but we can quit bemoaning that. David Krebs asked the first one. He said, what makes Arvidsson a player that is highly underrated? What doesn't make him a player For that's real? highly underrated? All that, and you could go around to the Predators roster of guys that are underrated, but Victor Arvidsson, to me, one, it's always shocking that he was a fourth-round pick. 
and uh, he's become what he has. But today. let me give you one more. I was actually just going to say that not only a fourth round pick, but a guy that was not drafted at all exactly. the year prior. So yep. he was sort of a like twelfth round pick or eleventh round pick, depending how you want to do that math. So was completely passed on in one round. Then the Preds got him in the fourth round. Including the Preds said, now we're good. (laughs) Then he came back around like, oh, maybe we should take a chance on this guy. He played games that first season. The only player taken out of the first round that season to play in the NHL in that first season. His compete level is off the charts. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. call him the Energizer Bunny all the time. He really is. He makes this team go. And especially on the hat trick against Washington, I mean, just the energy in the building he feeds off of that. The bench feeds off of him. The crowd feeds off of him. And it's just uh, this cyclical thing that goes round and round. And when Arvidsson's on, the bench gets fired up. The crowd gets fired up and, and vice versa. So when Arvey is going, and boy, is it good to have him back. When he's going, he might be the toughest player to play against in the league. He does not take a shift off. And I think you've also seen that the NHL has become even more open-minded in recent years as far as just the size of players. The Predators, frankly did not have players that were 5'6", five, 5'7", five, before. Now they have two of them. Now they've that mindset, I think Victor Arvidsson's success in no small part gave the Predators the opportunity or the reasoning to try Rocco Grimaldi, to give him more of an extended mm-hmm. view because they said, you know what, your size doesn't matter. If you have the skill, if you have the will and the determination, you've got a shot. I'll even admit, when Victor Arvidsson early on had his success, had his 30-goal season, you're kind of thinking to yourself, was he something of a beneficiary of getting to play with Philip Forsberg and Ryan Johansson so no. much? No, I, he is just as much a driver as that line as anybody else is. Doesn't matter how tall you are. If you've got the heart, Theo Fleury did it. Marty St. Louis did it. Victor Arvidsson's doing it now as well as Rocco Grimaldi. Jessica Lickup, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's not too often it happens, but when the Predators change goalies during the game, how does that mentally affect the players or the team? I think for me, it's often something much like a timeout. It's where the coach is saying, this is a stopping point. This is a resetting point. Honestly, as we may make mistakes on this podcast, and Josh Upton is saying, stop here and reset, (laughs) that's kind of what you're getting with a goalie. And I think you also will hear from players after the game where they'll say, it's as if it's a reminder of, for example, let's say Pecorino gets pulled and, and UC Soros comes into the net. It's almost saying, as a player, that wasn't all Pex's fault. Yeah. I, I can do better. I've, I've got to do better than what I've done. He doesn't deserve that. And then again, it, it's a hard reset of, let's just say you're probably down two, three goals. There is time. There's opportunity to salvage this game, but not a moment more can go on before we need to shift what we're doing and completely reset. I would say majority of the time when a goaltender gets pulled, at least the predator, as far as the predators are concerned, it's not the goaltender's fault. As you said, it is a hard reset. Maybe the team in front of him isn't playing quite as well. And it's a bit of a wake up call. Hey guys, you weren't doing it for the first guy. Maybe you'll do it for this one. Maybe you'll wake up a little bit and get going. And I think it gives the team a boost. If anything, finally, Susan Prather asked generally, what is the locker room like after a big loss? And she mentions the jets game. What's it like after a win? Susan, who we met on Tuesday. Susan! <laughs> no, it's it, it, it's never too high, never too low. And I think we've said that on this show before. This team does a really good job. After a 7-2 win against the Capitals, yeah, you're happy, but you're not popping champagne or anything. Mm-hmm. Same thing, you lose 5-1 to the Jets. You're not happy about it, but you're not throwing sticks or smashing holes in the wall either. It's kind of that mentality. And, and as far as Coach Laviolette talking to people, after a loss, he goes straight to the office doesn't bother saying anything in the room, 
They go over video. They meet about it the next day. After a win, he'll go in and say something. After a loss, you let the players handle it. There really isn't a lot of conversation after a loss, honestly. You, you stop, you kind of reset, and you talk about it the next day. Well, because I would compare that to real life as well, honestly. When you, when you make a mistake at work, there's no harsher critic than yourself. You're the one that's going to beat yourself up about it and know that you need to be better and know that you need to improve your game or in your work or, or to that capacity. And so I think you hear that from the Predators. That is where you le- are leaning on your leadership team. That's where Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, and, and all the others are rising up and saying, that was not our standard of play. I mean, these are adults and professional athletes that for years have been putting all that it takes on the line to be able to just try and win hockey games. And when the standard isn't there, they know that. And they know when the reset needs to happen. You're right. It's in the hours and the days to come where you're breaking down all that video footage or you're evaluating different things and different opportunities that you have to improve your game. So I think one of the reasons that Peter Laviolette has now been with the Predators longer than he's been with any other NHL team is his ability to have his squad reset to look better, to immediately respond when they face adversity or when they have a bad performance. Good questions, friends. Thanks for asking them. We appreciate it. A couple really quick points. Florida on Saturday night at Colorado Monday afternoon, a special Martin Luther King Day matinee, and then at Vegas on Wednesday. And then that's it before the All-Star Weekend in San Jose. Roman Yossi Pecorine will be their skills competition on Friday, All-Star Game next Saturday, and then the bye week. And then it's February all of a sudden. We will have so much more content coming up next week and the weeks following as we get closer to that trade deadline as well. For Thomas Willis, you can follow him at Tom A. Willis on Twitter. You can follow me at Brooks Bratton on Twitter and Instagram. As we said, tweet us your questions, hashtag Preds Podcast, the way to get our attention on that social platform. And, of course, follow at Preds NHL for the best Preds content 24-7. This has been episode 18 of the Predators official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. For more, go to NashvillePredators.com slash podcast. Thanks so much to Ida Bjornstad, Julie Turris, and Haley Moore for joining us this week on the POP. We're live on all the major delivery services. Please hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating. It really does make a difference, and we certainly appreciate your listenership. Thanks for tuning in for another week. We'll talk to you next time, Thomas Willis. See ya!